0: The first one, you ready? I, I wrote yep. down the word patience. Yes. What I wrote down was your dad, my dad, us, we're like bricklayers, right? Sort of metaphorically, whether it's building the story of our life or we're building the, you know, the, the castle, if you will, metaphorically. Most people struggle with patience. And at a time like this, when I think it's really important, what are your thoughts around patience, especially for young or rock star real estate professionals?
1: You know, patience is um, a true business strength, true business strength, true life strength Mm -hmm. that is uncomfortably not cool, which is why I think I got on it about three to five years ago very loud. Um, I think it actually is a byproduct of people's deep need to seem successful to others. Yeah, 100%. And you know, a lot of the way I think about homes and other assets or even calling yourself an entrepreneur come from this. I think people overextend themselves across the board on everything from clothes to, um, to homes with a 80 to 90% being grounded in other people's opinions. Right. And I think that when you can eliminate that judgment whether it's your parents or your neighbors or the Joneses or social media, all of a sudden patience becomes easier. But when you're, when you're living under your means instead of over your means, and you do worry about like people thinking you drive a shitty car, you know, then all of a sudden you know, patience becomes harder. So I think patience actually has a very close correlation to confidence um, and uh, I think about that a lot. And I, I'm a big, big, big fan of patience. I really am. I think it really, really matters.
0: What do you, if you were sitting with someone today who just like they get it, but they don't apply it. What would you say or do, with I, ask I think so many why, people get it. I ask them why.
1: Yeah. That's the, that's the thing I poke yeah. at with friends and family. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. And, and And again, when you have like an hour and a half over dinner and some glasses of wine or three hours in the backyard or or you work with them and you get the answer over a week, a lot of it comes down to judgment.
2: Yeah. yeah. The, it's eventually, this, you'll,
1: you'll, eventually you'll get something like, well, my brother has a home in Connecticut or bingo. because my dad's been looking or, yeah. you know, Always. Like all my friends in college are married. You know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. gonna get somewhere eventually to a place where they're going to say something about someone else. And that's the trigger, that's the insight, that's the- That's the hook. That's the hook. That's when I jump in and I'm like, please, please, let's debate this because living your life predicated on that judgment is gonna often lead to not a happy place. Like, what do you want? Like, are yeah. you con- like I was super content in my crappy apartment in my 20s because it was super close to the store. And I, you know, I liked waking up at 8.30 and being in the store by yeah. nine, you know, like like yeah. you know that yeah. kind of stuff. The practicality, which the most practicality people- The practicality, because yeah. I just couldn't hear the noise from the outside, whether that was my yeah. parents, my siblings, my friends, you know, the, the broader world. And that really helped me and helped me be happy. And that's ultimately what I want for people. I want them to be happy. And unfortunately, a lot of people associate money with happiness and it just it is so obviously not true and that's why some of these things like patience have become very important building blocks for me to communicate around especially as I felt that more people were following me I started Mm -hmm. to convert from you know being flattered to feeling obligated and so I started stretching myself over the last half decade to really challenge myself and figure out why has this worked for me what's working for me And how, and how do I communicate these things? And and end up being a lot of soft skills and traits that haven't historically been associated with alpha business leaders. And and that's, I think what's been a little bit unique about it and, and has been enjoyable to go through that process.
0: Yeah. People, uh, people don't get that you can have an enormous capacity to care and be a great business leader. that's right i think
1: people think business is too much dog eats dog like step on people and yeah i just just don't see it that way i see the world far more abundant than those individuals
0: let's talk marketing for a second i mean your branding is fantastic thank you right branding is amazing it's important right it's eye-catching um marketing actually makes the the cash register ring so what worked in terms of marketing what didn't work in terms of marketing
3: um Everything. Networking
0: seems to have worked, but does that drive people to the room? Like, does it get people to show up? Does what it get people to really buy tea? What really
3: helped was the Instagram. And it's mm-hmm. something that I call a beautiful mistake. Yeah. Because I started the Instagram early on, not because this is going to go famous, this is going to go viral. You know, I like this program, so I'm going yeah. to use a program that I feel yeah. comfortable using. Yeah. Yep. And once I opened, I was wondering, What are people going to think? Maybe are they going to like these were my fears the night before. Yeah. But then when everybody was coming in, taking selfies, taking photos, people Mm -hmm. wanting to rent out the space for parties, I was like, you like it, too. So that really did help me was presenting an experience. Experience, not mm-hmm. just an item, not just a service. We all do services like coffee shops are yes. plagued all over San Diego, but it's yes. also offering the customer an experience. So I caught that early on within the first week. Mm-hmm. Music selection is very yes. important. Scent is very important. Yes. yes. Atmospheres are important. The lighting is very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I music is very important. Even everything is very important. It's yes. an experience. Yes. That's what sets you apart from your neighbor, from any other person out there with their own business. So then the branding and the marketing, everything is through Instagram. And Mm -hmm. I always hone down on the branding. And I look at it and it's like, is this easy for me to understand? Is it too busy? Is it too this and this? So I overanalyze everything, Mm -hmm. over critique it Mm -hmm. when others are like, it's fine, it works. I don't like fine.
0: Geraldine though, but you ask good questions because when you look at a lot of people's marketing, it's way too busy. Right? right. There's not enough white space or pink space. Right. It's right. not it's not clean. They're trying to throw everything at you all at once. And then they wonder why they get no response.
3: Well, for starters, like this got launched mm-hmm. in November. So mm-hmm. I wasn't in this bubble yet. In the yes. beginning, it was just the menu. Yes. And I love the in and out style where it says it's easy. It's yeah. simple. They focus on yeah. a couple items, but they do it tremendously really well. amazing. Yes, that's what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted a very clean, easy to read menu. Mm-hmm. So everything was the Gerald Dean way, the way I wanted this. Because yeah. I don't yeah. have any any previous experience. Yes. So yes. I was only going by how would I'm I'm thinking as a diva, how do I want to see this? Yeah. So that's the way I took it. And yeah. I was just hoping for everyone to like it. And yeah. so luckily it worked.
0: Did you get some so early I, feedback the things that they didn't like?
3: Um, they didn't like that I have dairy free options. Everybody wants milk. Mm-hmm. They didn't like that I don't have refined sugar. You know, you know, it's just the market. Yeah. A couple of things, but no one has ever said that I'm aware of. I mean, people have said it's too pink. Sure. But that's the whole point of it.
0: Yeah. Why? I don't know. Not, is matcha is matcha pink?
3: <laughs> I think that they're just used to everything being a little bit neutral, which is fine. Yeah. But yeah. I thought if this Beige. is going to be my child, yeah. I'm going to dress up my child the way I want my child to look like. Yeah. So there's definitely, there's a lot of feedback with the 95% of it mm-hmm. is positive positive. Yeah. and it fuels me.
0: I love it. All right. Let's go a totally different direction. Do you ever feel like quitting? No. Not once? No. Not once? No. You ever miss payroll? No. Okay. How do you handle marketing, finance, legal, leases, HR, payroll? Who does it all? Me. How do you do all that? And and do you work the counter as well?
3: Yes. Well, I'm not there right now, but I was sure. there yesterday. This, I mean, I can get really deep into this. Yes. I come from, it's all the way I was raised. Yeah. So my dad has a PhD. He's a doctor, mm-hmm. surgeon. My mother is an accountant. She has her MBA. Yeah. My three older brothers are doctors. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of pressure. Yeah. No excuses. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you want something, you figure it out. Doesn't matter if you care about someone, but if you don't mm-hmm. put it out there, it yep. doesn't matter if you care about them or not. Yeah. So I was raised very strict in a very strict culture, very demanding. So an excuse of, oh, I can't take this or oh my God, I'm just so stressed and overwhelmed, I can't do this, that I mean I would get slapped yeah. if I would ever say that. So it's possible it just I'm I'm just not lazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, clearly. I, I I'm
3: just not lazy. And so I vent. hmm
1: Okay. I vent. I complain yes. a
3: little bit to who? But I, to my husband and to my mother. Yeah. They, they are. I mean. What I'm, about
0: your employees? Don't you complain to them?
3: No, it's a different aspect. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I. Do. I'm razzing you, but no. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes I do yeah. just to show because yes. for me it's very important to be authentic and to not have people think that I have it all together or yeah. that I'm always happy. For me, it's very mm-hmm. important to show people that listen. I am very, very stressed. I have all this stuff I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. but I'm still pushing through. Because for me, it's not just about having employees pay them, shut up, do your time, get out of here. It's for me to actually build strong humans. Mm -hmm. So if someone's going to work for me, they're Mm -hmm. going to be inspired and they're going to come in, not weak, but so-so. And then once they leave, they're going to come out with a different perspective of, wow, like, I thought I had it this bad, but I can, you know be more hustlers, be more pushers. Yeah, So that, do more. that to me do more. is very important. So I mm-hmm. just don't see them as numbers on my payroll sheet. Mm-hmm. I see them as people that represent me, people that represent my brand. And so yes. it's very important for me to also connect with them and mm-hmm. show them, mm-hmm. you know, I'm dealing with this, but hey, I still showed up, we're still killing it and hope that it inspires them as well.
4: Yeah. 2014 and 2015 were my heaviest years. I was uh, at my biggest weight. And I started to just have this vision because my job was to go get the star agent to start at the company and like take us to the top. And I started to get a vision. I was like, what if that was me? I was like, because I don't feel right as a manager. Like, I'm not passionate about it. It's not what I was put on this planet to do. Um, I was like, I want to be a star agent. I was like, I just can't do it looking like this. And um, and that was always in the back of my head. Sure. Always in the back of my head. In 2015, I was at a Fish concert <laughs> and I was uh, out of my mind a little bit <laughs> with a friend.
0: And you um, haven't seen the documentary, by the way, have you seen the documentary? No, not yet. But oh it's my god, supposed it's, to be ins- so inspiring. it's insane. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry. Keep going. So.
4: Um, so anyway, I was there with the same friend who got me into real estate, the yeah. guy of a Craigslist mm-hmm. and, uh, we were dancing and I, uh, came so close to fainting. Like, it was the first time that had ever happened to me really? and I had to like sit down and now go- I can think of
0: many re- reasons why you would have been fainting at a fish concert.
4: It was just because I was like uh, dehydrated okay. and overweight and like trying to dance. I could not keep up. Yeah. And, uh, and it was definitely my weight. It was, yeah. and, uh, and I just started sobbing in the middle of this concert. <laughs> and we were all in this big outdoor arena. And David sat down next to me. And I remember looking at him, I was like, as soon as we get back to the city, I was like, I'm making an appointment. I'm getting weight loss surgery. I was like, and I'm going to take over the world. And, uh, and he was like, all right, he was like, do it. I did. I went back. It was literally like the next day. I had an appointment with my doctor. Two months later, I had weight loss surgery, um, which was December of 2015. Um, and then by August of the next year, I was down 200 pounds. And I would say, so this was where my real estate career. You know,
0: but I'm going to dig in on this first okay. before because I, I know, okay. I know, I know what I mean. I know, like you, know, you know the story. I know, <laughs> but I want them to know. Yeah. You know there uh, there has been. Uh, a lot of positive and a lot of controversy around that surgery, of course, right? And yeah. like you know, you get people that say I was liberated, and you get some you know some haters out there totally. that say you know you're going to put it all back on. You, you needed the discipline, right. and, blah, blah, blah. and like so, how, like t- walk us through that, like because now today you put it on like a badge of armor, you know, oh, of yeah. armor, and you tell I tens tell the- of millions of people on television like I did this totally, right? And yeah, like, and I. Love that! Thank I you. Love and respect the fact that you've done that. I, I so, get
4: mixed feedback, and I was expe- I was expecting that going course, into it. Of course, um, you know. So my 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 mother allows me to tell this story. Don't worry. But uh, she had a lap band probably like 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, lost a ton of weight uh, ended up having a ton of complications, had to have it removed. And in that moment, I remember I was like, I'll never have weight loss surgery. And yeah. I was like, it's not for, for it. sure. And I was like, it's not going to happen. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it it's almost killed forever. my mother. Yeah. yeah. And
0: hello. Negative. And,
4: right. And then like four years after she had that done, she switched and had the sleeve done. And I was so mad. Uh, cause I was like, why are you doing this again? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you're, I was like, we've already seen this. And, um, she switched to the sleeve and then like, Two, she looked amazing, and like two years went by, and then like four years went by. And she still looked amazing, and I was like, well, I was like, maybe, I was like maybe I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, um,
0: but that's such a vulnerable thing. I mean, it, you know, look, people talk about vanity, and uh, and look, there's there's no doubt that, that has, you know ruled part of the world for as long as we've existed. Yeah. Um, did you think you could have done it without it?
4: I, I had failed at it enough times to know that. Uh, you know, people don't really look at food as the addiction that it is. Yeah. And like when people really don't understand it, I'm like, do you know somebody who's an alcoholic or a drug addict who's like in your family, somebody you love, right? I was like, if there was a procedure that they could have that would cure them or Mm -hmm. greatly increase their chances of curing them, I was like, would you be open to them trying it? But because food is socially acceptable because we can still show up to work, we can still get our jobs done. People just don't think about it the same. No. Probably the most, the largest population of addiction probably goes to food. I don't know that for sure, mm-hmm. but theoretically you, that makes if sense If you look at the me. numbers
0: in the U.S. Of, of people that are overweight and right. the number of people that are obese and the number of young, like teenagers that are obese, right. one could make the argument that. that that's that's
4: where I'm deducing. And I'm just like, I haven't run the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you, you know, we
0: can Google that. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's. it's yeah. so, so let's go back. You do the surgery and and it doesn't, you don't transform overnight. No. But what started to transform after the surgery? So
4: it's, it's, you lose a lot of weight really fast the first two or three months. Mm -hmm. So, um, I lost literally like a hundred pounds the first three months. And so it was insane. You just lost Tristan.
0: Right. I think Tristan (laughs) weighs a hundred pounds. But the,
4: the crazy part is firstly, while, um, when you're that overweight, yeah. When you I remember I had lost like 80 pounds and mm-hmm. that was just when people started to notice. That's how overweight yeah, I was. Cause yeah, people, yeah. Were like, people were like, you like, you lost a little weight. Like what? 20 pounds probably, right? And I was like, You are dead
0: to me. <laughs> I was like, I like, lost or 80. I'm, like,
4: I'm like coming up on hundred, actually, yeah. but thank you. Wow. Um and so the hard part is, is right after I lost it came the weight loss came to a screeching halt. And, yes. yeah. and I went from losing a couple pounds a day sometimes mm-hmm. to it was like a month and nothing had changed. Yeah. And I was like, but I'm still 100 pounds overweight. Like I yeah. still, I still have yes. a journey ahead yes. of me. And so then now this the was- Now the work
0: begins, right?
4: Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't know it. It was like, yeah. it was like my higher power came down and was like, I got you. We're going to yeah, do something yeah. special right now.
0: And some would say no one would feel bad for her because of if she wasn't positive because of how much- Cyberbullying and bullying and just just ignorance that you've had to deal with in your life. So so talk to us about that. Like I think everyone listening has had an experience in their life where things didn't go their way or or someone said something that bothered them or said somebody said something to them that they carried around for years. It, you know, in your TED talk, you you talked about using this negativity almost as fuel for greatness in your life. Can you shed some light on that?
5: I mean. I guess with age comes more experience and more wisdom. And a few years ago, yes, I would be seen as this person who is so optimistic and so positive at all times. But the reality is I was showing you what I wanted you to see. And I was the one who was saying, yes, I'm positive all the time. Yes, it's going to be okay. Like I was the one saying this. But the reality is that was not my reality. Yes, it's a huge part of my life. And yes, it is my truth. But I'm human. And there are days where I wake up and I'm like, I'm not going to be happy today. And I'm just letting it go. And before I would hide that like big time. And I would absolutely, I would do whatever I could to make sure the image or the story or the message that I was putting out whether it was in person or online, was happy. Even though I knew I'm posting this thing on Instagram about being positive and I'm crying while I'm posting it because I'm sad about something else. And so for many years, I thought if I am now going to sort of be on this pedestal of inspiration, that's the only thing that I can show because that's what people are wanting and needing and, you know, apparently liking. And it got to a point where I was putting out so much that I wasn't getting anything in to me and so I was like, I cannot say it's going to get better. One more time. I cannot say just ignore it. It'll be fine. One more time. And so it finally got to a point where I had to really just look in the mirror and say, you are human. It's okay to doubt yourself. It's okay to feel like things are never going to get better. All these things are normal. And slowly but surely, I started being able to, I remember I I wasn't ready to like put it out in social media. So I started testing the waters when I would go do my speeches. And I would throw in like a little story of like a time where I was really struggling or something that happened that nobody knew about. And I got a really good reaction and I noticed that I was feeling like I was having my own therapy in a way. And I was getting this place, this safe place to be able to go and tell all of these strangers, you know, something very vulnerable about me. And so I went from being able to do that in my speeches. to then now being at a point where I can be my most authentic and vulnerable self, on any platform, anywhere and in person.
0: It's pretty liberating.
5: Oh, it is. It is. It feels so good yeah. to be able to just say, you know what? Here's the situation. This is how I feel. What really matters here is how I handle it tomorrow.
0: Yeah. My uh, my first speech coach, God bless him, is uh, this guy, Ron Arden. And he would say, you know, if all you do is go out and act positive, 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 eventually everybody's going to say that person's full, you know what? Right. He said, but if you're vulnerable and you speak truth or you tell stories that, you know, where you got punched in the face, where it didn't work out, where you didn't get the sale, where life didn't go your way, you're just more real because that because everyone deals with it. Someone's listening right now who's going to say, because I've heard it. I guarantee you've heard it more than I have. But Joseph, I'm just lying to myself then.
6: Yeah. And, and I right. agree with you. Yeah. You are. Yeah. But you know what? You're lying to yourself the other way as well. Yeah. You know, which lie are you going to tell the most? Yeah. If you're saying that everything is bad, know mm-hmm. the, the three Ps that we talk yeah. about, we think yeah. that it's permanent, pervasive, and personal. Yeah. If you're lying to yourself and saying, it's all about me, I'm doing terrible, and, and the world is terrible and all these things, mm-hmm. that's. Some of that is true, but what you're forgetting is that there's, like you said earlier in real estate, there's so much opportunity out there right Right. now. It's unbelievable how much opportunity there is. Um, So it's, it is, uh, you know, a lie means that, you know, better and you're saying it anyway. If I say to you, you know, hey, listen, your shirt is is yellow. Mm-hmm. I know it's blue. Mm-hmm. You guys can't see this if you're listening yeah. to it. And I know it's blue. But I'm lying because I say that it's yellow. Yep. Okay? But there's a part of me that knows that it's blue. Mm-hmm. So if I, if you know it's a lie, then if, if you're saying, yeah, Joseph, you're great, and you can do that, and this is the truth and everything, what you're forgetting is that you're lying because there's so much great going on as well. Exactly. There's always. Uh, uh, last thing I was on that is I'll say that... Um, it was Napoleon Hill who said, within every adversity lies the seed Need. of equal or greater benefit. Yep. Look for it. As ye seek, right. so shall ye find. So I've gotten through question number one. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. I, of
0: course. Right. I, I was like, this would be the first seven and a half hour Tom Perry podcast experience. Um, so I want to go back to psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I talk about mindset, you talk about mindset, everybody talks about mindset and you're right. It is just a set of beliefs you mm-hmm. have about something. But when you talk about psychology, it's really about like an operating system. Yeah, it is. It right? is. Absolutely. So, so if I wanted to
6: reinstall an operating system mm-hmm. to change my life forever, how do I do that? First, you've got to go, it, 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 there's, a, there's a process, if you will. Okay, you know what um, I love? I knew I could ask you this question and you would have the answer. Of course. I'm taking more notes than anyone else right now. Okay, let's go. <laughs> well, well, first off, there are steps to go yep. through. Yep. Step number one, know what you want. Look where you want to yep. go. Yep. In other words, if you say, I got a problem, like, like for example, people come into my office mm-hmm. when I was, uh, did my regular practice and I go, what do you want? And they go, I feel terrible. I'm yeah. depressed. And I go, okay, what do you want? And they go, I, you know, I, things are going so bad for me. And I go, yeah. what do you want? And they go, I'm depressed. And I go, yeah. what do you want? And they go, I literally had a guy say this yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. swear to God, he said this to me. He goes, depression washes over me like a scalding hot wave of debilitating emotion, leaving me paralyzed.
0: <laughs> so I I'm know, not laughing it, at him. I know, but that but is, the, a,
6: he has reframed that yeah, yes. and created such a beautiful narrative. Yes. He probably tells that to everyone. And he tells more specifically, he tells it to himself because right. our words, which is going to be part of this formula yep. here our words have the ability to change our own biochemical makeup the blood that courses through our bodies yep. and so number step number one yep. is know what you want yep. In Clear other words, and specific clear and ver- is, as specific yep. as you possibly yep. can and write it down yep i don't and, and you're, you're sitting here with an ink pen it's become a lost art with mm-hmm. our cell phones and and you know i know i'm guilty of it as well I, I, I can't remember the last time i actually texted like with my thumbs i always talk to it yeah. But I'm saying, write it down. Yep. What you write is yep. what you invite. Yeah. What you don't is what you won't. So get out old school, pad and paper, mm-hmm. you know, pencil and paper journal, whatever, and write it down. Here's how I want to feel. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to believe. Here's what I want the exact, you know, in all those areas. In yep. your, in your, you know, I call it being wealthy, healthy, happy, and financially abundant. Yeah. That's that's real wealth to me. Um. So what do I want in those areas? Mm-hmm. And what happens is as we start to write that stuff down, all that that what we were just talking about conversation comes up oh i'm not good enough i'm not yeah. smart enough i'm too black i'm too white i'm too short yeah. i'm too tall I'm yeah. all yeah. that stuff comes yeah. up yeah that's your opportunity yeah because now you know remember the steps i talked about before you, you interrupt know interrupt the fit, pattern interrupt the pattern okay so step number one is know what you know what you want yep. step number two is always know your reasons why you mm-hmm. want it yep. and when i say know it write it down Awareness is always the first step. And when you write mm-hmm. it down, then your brain, then you do what I call remember. Yep. Dismember means take apart. Yep. To remember means to align and connect your conscious mind with your unconscious mind. Yep. When you lose your keys, there's a part of you that knows where you put your damn keys. Okay. But your conscious mind is going, I don't know where my keys are, I don't know where my keys are, so they're disconnected. Yep. So when you when you finally find those keys, guess what? Connected remember okay so the trick to to step number two is you're gonna go oh here's the reason why i'm doing this my kids Mm -hmm. you know buying a house for my mother it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be as as noble as things like that it can be yeah i just want you know i'm doing it because it makes me feel good to drive a ferrari
0: if you had to just sort of whittle down two or three or four sort of leadership lessons, cause you've been, you've been dropping them all along, yeah. but you know, for you, like if you think about what are the, what are the two, three things that like, if someone just says, how do I become a better leader? Like what are those two or three things for you?
7: Yeah. Um, I would say number one, don't, don't discount your worth, know your own worth mm-hmm. and that you can add value, but never force it on the person that you're expecting a promotion from. You can't force that. You can demonstrate, you can explain, you can, if there's a little crack of a door, you gotta know when to run through, but you can't force it. I would say that's probably number one. Just know your worth, know you probably can do a lot more, but just drop hints that are appropriate hints when you can so that they believe it's their idea.
0: Yeah, oh, that is, see that right there? That's the secret sauce. So, so that we're, you're talking about being in a leadership role and still having someone you're reporting to, right? Cause you want to continue to move up. And that could be an, that could be in an organization that could be an agent on a team that wants to ascend. It's the same exact thing. Making it their idea is the secret sauce.
2: It is,
7: it is. That's probably the, the, one of the biggest nuggets. The other thing is that, geez, don't, don't, as a leader, um, and I would tell, I would say, you can ask anybody in our corporate office from accounting to whatever division, IT, I think every one of them would say that I am willing to roll up my sleeves and do the dishes in the kitchen if, it, if they need to be done, just like anybody else. I don't expect anyone to do anything I'm not willing to do myself.
5: Yeah.
7: And then just realizing that as the leader, the biggest component for me, and I do think it's actually healthy is that it's just not about me. It, it, it's not about me. It, yeah. it never is. I don't want it to be actually. It would make me very uncomfortable right. because my success is the total combination and the collective effort of a group moving in the right direction and in the same direction. It's awesome. Yes. And that leads me back to my, my time here, two years. So I've kind of gone two years, two years, two years. Two years of learning. Two years of beginning to make a few changes that I think needed to be made, and two years of here we go. Yeah, and now now we just the sky's the limit, and I'm just so excited for it. It's awesome. We're in a good place. I, one
0: of the things I want to talk to you about is like team leaders and and even you know smaller smaller brokers that might be listening to this that like the the great line that we have a tendency to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and dramatically underestimate what could be accomplished in ten years right, and you just said, hey, two years of just learning the people, two years of making just a little, like some little adjustments, and then two years of like, now I've got everybody's trust. Let's start hitting the gas pedal. And you know now, now you're exactly right. It's the next four years where you really get the accelerated growth. Why do you think everyone is so addicted to thin thighs in 30 days or less? I want to go from seven to 700 transactions on a Tuesday
7: our world is, moves fast because our technology and the input of information is so fast that we think we can also give that same speed. We can't, we're human beings. Technology is not us, we're not it. We have to use it to our advantage but we're completely different animals and we have to respect those different roles and understand how to use those things that help propel the speed really effectively so that we can actually move the dial But you can't neglect. You know, you you don't have one big giant dial. (laughs) You have all these little dials, and every one of them is as important as the other. You have to give them their just just due diligence.
0: So, so it's interesting. One of the things I want to talk to you about, I actually wrote down um, management methodology. You know, EOS, OKRs, 4DX. There's there's all these different ways to to essentially have a management approach to your business. And I know, you know, Gino, who has been a dear friend for, I, you know, I cold called Gino when I was 19 years old, trying to sell him a ticket to a Mike Ferry event. Like that's how far back we go. Did you sell? Of course I sold them. Come on. How do you think I got him as a client? 1850 to 2020, every 15 years, something new happens. You know, I think of franchise, cause you know, certainly I know that. Remax, right? Teams, iBuyers, you know, 100%, right? Remax, roll ups of big brokerage companies. Um, six years before legitimacy, nine to ten years before they're accepted, and then 15 years they're a part of the fabric of of the way we do it. And you're saying now it's the private equity in tech, but what do you think happens to how agents interact and how they transact? And you know, where do you see that going in 2020 end of the year, 2021? What are the what are the bets that agents need to be placing, if you will? In their business now to be ready for the future because that's what all my people want
8: three three totally different angles to approach that I believe Tom the first is that I think um, human nature is <laughs> it doesn't change easily and mm-hmm. we are very stubborn as a people and we will go back to our bad habits right that's why dieting and stopping to smoke and losing weight and all those things are relatively hard for more majority of people. So I think many of the bad habits that we may have had, or the the less than healthy habits, or the less than than social distancing habits, I think we will probably forget about some of this stuff in the not too distant future. That's one big chunk. A second chunk, which I think we will carry over. Yes, we do now have a better understanding of concepts like social distancing, which we've never had. Um, So yes, we will probably keep some level of zooming and video calling. I think I am no longer going to go to you know 100 events a year, Tom. If you're gonna do it, God bless you, I'm not mm-hmm. going to. So yeah. I'm, I'm cutting my 100 trips down to probably 20. I mean, I'm gonna cut it way back down, and I am only gonna to go to meaningful events and the really big ones. Not that I wanna be derogatory to the smaller ones, but I, I will Zoom you or I will participate in, a, in another kind of a way. So right. I think less events, less travel is most certainly a carryover, which does mean we'll probably handle open houses a little differently. We probably will have more video equipment. We'll probably have more virtual tours. We'll probably have a different way to allow people to get into the houses. Balance that with the fact that we still have this human nature of defaulting to what's the easiest, right? <laughs> because this other one requires me to come up with a whole new paradigm. That's hard work, that's effort. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure which one will win. I don't think it's a winner take all. I think it's you know part of both. And then I think the third one is, I think we have to understand that, that our buyer, our consumer, our seller, he and she herself and himself have also changed. And therefore, not only is it what we as agent, whether we're you know, Cobalt Banker or, or ERA or Sotheby's or Berkshire Hathaway or or whichever brand, independent, first, first team in your area, right? Any, any individual brand. Not only do we wanna change, but our client has changed. So our client is going to probably say, you know what? If Corona 19 turns out to become, sorry, Corona 19 turns out to become Corona 20 or Corona 21 or 22, maybe I should think a little bit ahead and maybe I want a slightly bigger lot than I have now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I want that extra room, which I wasn't sure I could afford because I'm gonna be working from home more, honey, so I need that extra study. Honey, I, I thought I had to stay in downtown because we've always loved downtown, we've loved the, the bars and the pubs and the, and the, and the stuff, but you know, I'm now ready for the, the suburbs. We thought we were gonna to go to the suburbs only 10 years from now. I'm so ready for the suburbs. I want that white picket fence and a, and a dog and a cat, right? So I do think that the consumers, again, only those that can afford it. Yeah, There are many consumers for which my heart goes out that are skinning by by their teeth and can't afford the luxury of choice. <laughs> They're forced into whatever comes their way. I am so sad for them. But that 10, 20, 30% of the market that can afford choice, I think is going to start changing the decision of maybe not staying in the, in the center of town, maybe not staying as much in a you know thousand square foot apartment, and if they can afford it, maybe looking for something with a little bit more breathing space with a study or a family room or something like that
0: yeah, a home office maybe <laughs> a home office a pool you know it 's interesting I was um I follow, uh, you know, a lot of interesting characters on Twitter and Spencer Roscoff, who we both know, who I'm actually invested in, I think two of his other, uh, you know, new ventures, who I just think the world of super, super bright guy, super interesting. And obviously, you know, former uh, CEO of Zillow. Um, He tweeted out the other day. Kind of, do you think that, you know, buyers' expectations will change? Do you think sellers' expectations will change? Do you think buying patterns will change? Something along these lines. And, and basically, somebody made the point of, hey, look, after 9-11 in New York, the hallucination was nobody is going to want to live downtown. And, and there was this sort of like mindset of everybody's going to leave the city. Everybody's going to leave the downtown environment. And, and guess what? None of that happened. Knowing what you know now, if you were talking to somebody that was two or three years in the business and they were struggling, they were just, you know, like just a hard time getting their feet on the ground and really creating any, any type of momentum. You've already dropped a bunch of very good points, but I would ask you this, ready, Very pointedly. What are the three to five most important things? Someone that is struggling to get the momentum and keep it. What do they need to do? You said, you said prospecting. You said create some measurable degrees of separation, but tell me.
9: Some things are not business-related. You have to yeah. get disciplined in your life. Yes. Well, I think that's the number one thing. And I, I remember reading The Miracle Morning and saying, oh, these people are crazy. Who does that? Like, who wakes up? I'm like, I have, I'm a single. And again, the whole victim mentality. Oh, I'm a single yeah. mom. There's yes. no way I can do this. Yes. Da, da, da. I started waking up early and doing the same thing every morning. And mm-hmm. it just sets the tone for your entire day and for your entire life. So you have to get disciplined about things that bring success. And it's not just me. If you read about anyone who's super successful, there's something that they do every morning. 100%. So you have to get disciplined in your life. If you're not disciplined in your life, you're not going to have success in the business. or you might have success, but it's not going to be consistent. And I know it, I've lived it. I've seen other realtors that are not realtors anymore. I've seen how the people focusing more on the look of their brand instead of their craft. And instead of, you know, what do you do every day to get clients? Right. So I think discipline is number one.
0: Yeah. So discipline, morning routine, discipline, prospecting. And I love how you said discipline your craft right cuz a lot of people you know they they want the fancy photos they want the great looking video they want the beautiful brochure but it's like no 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 earning that like a, i have a friend of mine who makes knives i have another friend who makes wine small batch they don't do a lot of it but they do it with so much passion intensity and discipline that the product is extraordinary right i mean i'm hearing kind of the same thing so discipline is number 1 what's number 2
9: I would say uh, not just discipline, but practice and just learning all the time. You need to know the business. I remember even before I was in coaching, I was watching your videos on YouTube all the time. I was listening to your podcast all the time. I was reading the blog every single day. You know, even Ryan Serhant, he has a lot of really amazing videos on YouTube. Uh, There's a girl, Lloyda Velasquez, who, of course, that cold calling. So I would, every day you need to, You need to get better because you want to outwork other realtors. You want to make sure that you know more about the business. You know how to handle objections and also how to present yourself and how to speak to sellers, how to speak to buyers. But you can't just learn that like just by yourself. You need to, and we're so lucky that we have all these videos now. It wasn't like that before. Yeah. Right. Like I have followed other realtors. I've done open houses for other realtors. You have to learn and you have to learn every day. It's not just once in a while you go to summit or you go to, yeah. Marketing edge, just one time. No, every, all the time you need to learn, you need to read. So I think that's the second most important thing. Just always, wow. always looking to educate yourself.
0: Yeah. And I like how you said it too, because again, there's 50,000 agents in your marketplace and you're competing all the time. And it, we talk a lot about the sea of sameness. We're going to talk about marketing a lot today, but that sea of sameness where most people just, everybody just kind of looks and acts the same. What are you going to do to stand out? Right, so you got to learn. You got to figure out what everybody else is doing. Somebody that's doing something well in Montreal or New York City, or you know, a a person in Miami, you can emulate and borrow R and D, and then do it your way. So, what's number? What's number three?
9: I would say number three would be to get really on top of it on social media. Okay, so when I started off again, I had no budget. That's when I started on Instagram because I said, okay, what's free and where is there a lot of people. (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: That's a, that, by the way, it's a good strategy. What's free where all the eyeballs are?
9: Exactly. Yes. You know, whether it's even other realtors, right? Some people say, Oh, well, there's a bunch of realtors following me. You never know. I have realtors in my own market who have given me referrals because I speak French.
2: Yep. Yes. So
9: yes. Just getting it right on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think those are the top top. Well, now there's TikTok, of course, but the yeah. easiest ones where you can find people easily, is, yep. are those two platforms and you need to, to be on it every single day.
0: You exude a level of confidence that that I certainly experience. I see other people experiencing it. And, and then we see so many people that, that just don't have it, right? That they're searching for it. Um, you know, you've worked with a lot of people as I have. If you had to just divert kind of off you for a second and say, if somebody wants to develop more confidence, whether it's to go on the high end or start a business or or just... Have a little more swag on their next listing appointment. What do they do? What would be your your sort of tips for developing confidence?
10: Yeah, it's so hard. You got to fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. Uh, um, The actors deal with that all the time. Uh, You know, they go in there, they're scared shitless, but they got to act, you know, for that 30 seconds that they're doing that scene in order to get that job, they just got to act it out, right? And so when you go in for a listing appointment, when you're delivering, you know, talking to a buyer, you just need to, pretend, you need to act, you need to become an actor uh, yeah. until you develop it, right? Uh, you need to get away, you know, I, I I can tell you, I always talk about fear, right? It's it's getting over fear, the fear of rejection, the fear of, of, of not performing, the fear of getting fired, the, all of those things, right? You can talk about it as confidence or you can talk about it as fear, right? They both kind yeah. of go, they both do go hand in hand, right? And so we have to fake it till you make it. Um, but the way you fake it till you make it is you can't fake stats, you can't fake a knowledge, right? So mm-hmm. in order to fake your character, you gotta have the education, right? So if I'm selling Corona Del Mar or I'm selling Newport, well damn, I better know the tax rolls, I better know every owner of every house, I better know every deal that went down the last three years, uh, or five or 10 years. Uh, I better know every active listing. I better know every pocket listing. I better know every agent. Right. So now when I get in front of somebody, when I actually have to fake my confidence, I can fake it because I have the knowledge to actually speak about it. Right. So you first, you need, you need to fake the character, but you need to have the knowledge and you need to, 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 to be able to support the fake. It's
0: so interesting. You say this, uh, But a buddy of mine who uh, who I've interviewed now twice on our podcast, he wrote a book called The Alter Ego and and he works with actors and and, you know, a lot of athletes, a lot of professional athletes that, you know, take Bo Jackson as an example. When Bo Jackson walked onto the field, he was no longer Bo Jackson. He became someone else or. Uh, Sasha best Fierce, athlete
10: in the world, right? Certainly it, not. Certainly not Michael Jordan, where he was the best winner in the world. But yes. Jackson was probably the best athlete in the world.
0: No doubt. You take um, Sasha Fierce, right? AKA Beyonce, and and so there is like, like I, when you said "fake it till you make it," I was a little bit nervous until you went there because you're right. Like it, it's you have to become that person, but you can't do that, like you said, without the data. The data is how you get out of the right brain, fear, emotion, and you get into the validation left brain logic. So, so tell me just for fun, and diverting again here, but before we started this podcast, you and I were just getting caught up on the market and what's going on. Like at this point in your career, how much time do you spend looking at the data in the market and what's your process?
10: Well, every day. Uh, I look at the data in the market, so you know I'm looking at at, at all data. I uh, I start right now. I start with uh, well, particularly now during COVID times, and try mm-hmm. to understand where our where where we're gonna find the floor, where we're gonna start seeing yeah. you know pipelines movements, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I yeah. start every day. I look at showing time every day. Uh, I'm sure, you're familiar with it, right? Of course. Um, yes. Look at that every single day, which to me is the first indicator of. Are there gonna be more sales, right? Yep. Are there buyers looking? Is there that's nobody right. looking? So to me, that's the first indicator. Then after that, then I look at you know uh, the pipeline. Mm-hmm. All openings of all escrows across the, the city, across the counties, across wherever we are located at, right? So that leaves that that tells us how much is opening, how much is actually selling, how many people are out there looking, how much is actually selling. Then I look at how much is actually closing? What's falling out? What's closing? And are we keeping up with that pipeline? Because if we're keeping up with it, replacing closings with openings, we found our floor, right? right. So to me, I need to find the floor, right? As an eight, that, so that's the CEO's hat, that's the agency's hat. You know, Then I start looking at pricing and volume and all that stuff. As a broker, as an agent, I'm looking at the MLS every single day, my hot sheets, the areas I work, what's going in, what's going out, not so much from a statistical perspective, but more just from a knowledge perspective so that I can talk about that when I'm selling product. This just came on the market, that just sold, this, that. But
2: what's really changed is that we now have a move-up market that's on fire. So post-COVID, the tale of two markets is no longer the case. And why is that? Why is the move-up market, despite being boxy homes or having you know, not the latest renovations. They're selling, we have Connecticut homes in, West, in Westport and, and Greenwich that are selling multiple bids, three to $5 million homes, it's there for yep. years. Yep. So that has really been a function of people that are, are not willing to live in the urban core. It yep. started out New York, obviously, because of people getting the virus and fear of being in a densely populated market and people recognizing, you know, I don't have to stay in the city. And then they started thinking about, well, I'm working remote today, because I have no choice. That's right. Roughly for you, for the listeners, roughly six to 7% of households in the United States, pre-COVID, worked remote. And when you think about what that number could look like, um, five years from now, is it a double? Is it a triple? Where is it gonna go? A lot of that will depend on employers' willingness to provide consumers flexibility.
0: Ivy, mean, did you say six to seven or 67?
2: Six to seven.
0: Six to seven percent. And today, one could argue it's 95 percent. I mean, you know, I, that's, I i don't know that exact number, but I'm guessing it's...
2: It's probably, opposite. right, exponentially. Hospitals. Right. You have to take out those workers that can't work remotely. Yep. And, and what we're hearing from many of the largest employers is that, especially those like in technology, where they're really looking to retain the best talent they can, they need to give those employees flexibility, and in some cases, the flexibility of working 100% remotely on a go-forward basis. So now all of a sudden, take the tri-state area, and you have employees that are working in the city that say, you know, I'm going to go live out in in various parts of the tri-state area, and and their employees and you don't have to come back to the city, but maybe once or twice a week, or maybe you can pick up and move anywhere in the country. We don't care. You can work remote. So I have clients, hedge fund clients that have left the city of Chicago, have left the city of New York, and they're moving either southeast, southwest, and they're looking not only for what is uh, more favorable climates than our, our crazy northeast and midwest, but we also have more favorable taxes. We have more pro-business, and people are tired of being in these cities where, frankly, you know, they don't find the housing is, is really not attractive for what they're paying. So yep. you can go to Austin. This one client of mine literally sold his condo in um, Chicago or actually he can sell it. I think he just listed it. And he bought like 20 acres in Austin and he's building like a compound for him and his family. And he's going to spend less assuming he'll ever sell it or he'll have to right, walk away. Right. Yes. So that, you know, it, it's just crazy. Like when we came out of sort of this understanding, like housing's taking off, Mm-hmm. We did this piece, which you can buy it online, it's called a uh, bullish stance on housing, housing takes center stage. And housing right now, when you think about it, my husband calls it our COVID castle. You know, We are here all the time. And we, when you think about why the consumer is so focused on improving the quality of their space, that they wanna have the ability to have family and guests over, so they want bigger space for dining, they want more uh, space for their outdoor activities, they want me to places home.
0: to work, right? Two different places right. to work and kids.
2: And their kids to yeah. be online or their adult children are moving back. Or oh, wait a minute. Yep. I'm worried about my in-laws because I don't, or my parents, they're yep. elderly and I don't want them to wind up in a nursing home. So I need a, a you know, a, a suite for them. It just, the list goes on and on and on. And guess what? No one's traveling. They're not going to sporting events. Yep. They're not going to entertainment. We're not going to concerts. So what do we do? We start looking at housing. We start to, how do we better our current situation? And by the way, we're no longer stuck because mortgage rates are dropping that now I can make sense of it and I can buy instead of buying a $900,000 house, I can afford a million dollar home with the same payment because rates have fallen 100 basis points. But there's a double-edged sword to that. I'm worried about that. So So if you're a broker and if you're listening, You've got to get people to do it today. You've got to get them to trade up today. And I'll tell you why. Because the mortgage market, if the backlash, so we just um, have so many great mortgage contacts that today the refi market's just booming beyond as everyone knows and the purchase market. But what's gonna happen is if rates go up, the more every day when they refi someone into a 3% 30 year fixed rate, they're never moving. (laughs) Because that rate is not transferable. So we're going to have a very, very um, immobile housing market. And so your consumers that you're servicing as the broker community, you've got to tell them there's urgency here.
0: If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links and everything else, make sure you visit TomFerry.com slash podcast. That's TomFerry.com slash
2: podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.